Welcome to a new edition of the Neon Jazz Interview Series with jazz pianist and composer Dan Costa. He was born in London to Portuguese and Italian parents and has always been into music. His latest album, Sweet Trace Rio, was recorded in Rio de Janeiro and inspired by a few rivers in the Amazon rainforest. He's got some good education over his life, a diploma with merit at Sir Paul McCartney's Liverpool Institute for Performing Arts in the UK, and coached by musicians like Kevin Hayes and the great Chick Corea. He has gone on to make some great sounds in the jazz world. So get to know Dan and dig this interview, my friends. Thank you so much, Joe, for getting in touch with me. Absolutely, and thank you, Dan, for taking a little time out. I appreciate it. I'm going to start off here with something that's very ever-present in your world. It's a great album, your debut album. You recorded it in Rio de Janeiro, Sweet Trace Rio. Talk to me about this album and how you feel about it now that it's out in the world and getting pretty good reviews. Well, I guess there's always a first time, isn't there, to record an album. I think the most interesting part of it all is that I contacted all of these musicians on Facebook, from the singer Leila Pinheiro, uh, in the very first, in fact, who replied within five minutes, to the co-producer Ricardo Silveira, and the cellist Jack Morillenbaum, and the sax player Teco Cardoso. So it was great to have the support of these, of these guys. And it was also quite a challenge, although a rewarding one, of course, to travel all the way to Brazil and record my first album with musicians I'd never worked with. They're basically eight tracks, um, which reflect not only my relationship with Brazil, but also my, my past as both a classical and then a jazz musician. Let me ask you this. You were born, your background is, you were born in London to Portuguese and Italian parents. How did your childhood pan out that you got so interested in music and became a jazz musician? Well, this album pays respects to Brazilian music, um, but obviously, I was, as I was saying before, it has hints from my cultural background, because my father's Portuguese, but he, has, he actually listened a lot to classical music when I was a kid. My mom was really into all sorts of music, I think, like, like many Italians are, <laughs> I say. <laughs> and the main artists that, that, that we listened to when I was a kid were basically Brazilian artists, like the, the Tangerbeen. Uh, British groups like Simply Red, but also Italian singers like Lucio Dalla, Gianni Morandi. Um, and obviously, I listened to all these beautiful melodies from southern Italy as well, from Naples, whenever I went on holiday to visit my family. And obviously, the same applies to Portugal. My grandmother would, would sing some Fado by Amalia Rodrigues when I, was, when I was a kid. So obviously, jazz came a bit later, provides on different tunes before I actually got into jazz. It was, a, it was basically a college in Portugal that I really started to listen to, to the great jazz musicians, you know, like Keith Jarrett, Wynton Kelly, Lee Connitz, Chick Corea, Herbie Hancock. Um, and some of my teachers in Portugal were actually, uh, they actually starred on Kurt Rosenwinkel's CD, Our Secret World, and this was performed with, with the local orchestra, Orquestra Jazz, Matosinhos. So, you know, the one thing that before I depart your debut album here is, is that there was a confluence of rivers in the Amazon rainforest that was really influential and inspirational to you. Talk to me a little bit about how that influenced you. The name Sweet Rios is, is inspired by this, this phenomenon uh, in Brazil, the confluence of the Solimões and the Negro rivers, which they call the Encontro das Águas, basically the meeting of the waters. And to me, it also represented not only... Brazil's biodiversity, but also uh, how different cultures have met in Brazil to form Brazilian culture, you know, a bit like what happened in the United States. And at the end of the day, I personally feel that we all have mixed origins, and, and nowadays it's increasingly evident. 
And it also reminded me, of course, of my mixed background, as, as you mentioned. Um, so basically, this is why I changed the, you know, the fact that it was just two rivers to, <laughs> to three rivers. In this case, the British, the Italian, and the Portuguese. But obviously, these rivers were enriched by many others. For example, I lived in, in the south of France for, for about eight years, and the French, the French River, if we want to, if we want to consider it as such, uh, has also been very important. So, so the name Three Rivers is not only an ode to Brazil's biodiversity, but also to its to its cultural diversity. Wonderful. You did mention some artists, Keith Jarrett and some others, that were really influential on you. But do you remember specific albums when you were getting into jazz that were really huge for you to get into jazz? Oh, yes, of course. For example, I loved, and I still love, Bye Bye Back Blackbird by, uh, by Keith Jarrett. There was a beautiful album by Herbie Hancock called The Piano, which, is, which features him on solo piano. Um, a very, very nice album by Chick Corea called The, the Continents which he basically, I'm not sure whether you know this album, um, it's, he, he features the orchestra as well as the, the jazz, the traditional jazz instrument, you know? Yeah. Um, Ella and Lewis, it's a great album. There are also some Brazilian, Brazilian jazz albums, which I'm particularly fond of, such as Quintet, which is an album by Lea Freire and, and Teco Cardoso. Um, I'd, I'd recommend this one, it's very nice. And coming back to, to jazz, I mean, I can't, we, we can't forget, you know, the traditional albums like, of course, Kind of Blue, uh, which which was so important in the history of jazz, modal jazz in particular. And, and Ella and Lewis is also an album I love. I think Ella is great scat singer, beautiful voice. And the tracks with Lewis Armstrong on this album is, is fantastic. So when did you know you were going to become a musician? Was it always something that you dreamed of or was there a flashpoint? Well, I've always been passionate about different things. Um, in terms of arts, I liked acting, I liked singing during my childhood. I also liked painting. Um, of course, given my background, languages have also been important, and exploring them as part of my life. So my parents wanted me to study piano when I was about six years old, but I didn't, I didn't really want to at the time. So I asked them when I was 11. I was the one to ask to take piano lessons, which was quite quite interesting because I had initially refused, but then I asked them, and um, and that's it basically. <laughs> right on. Well, you've had a very interesting education leading up to today, but there's one part that I'm interested in. You got a diploma with merit at Sir Paul McCartney's Liverpool Institute for the Performing Arts in the UK. What kind of experience was that for you? Well, that was especially enriching because we were given so many opportunities to take part in projects, in gigs, musicals, which often went beyond the school itself. I recall working in the musical direction of a few events, for instance, and took part in projects that took me around Europe and also to Philadelphia in the U.S. Of course, meeting Sir Paul McCartney was just part of the experience, and living in, in the city of the Beatles was, was a thrill. I remember that I, I was offered a place to pursue further studies in the field there, but my interest in jazz and my Latin roots prompted me to, to do otherwise. But it was definitely a fantastic year. The other thing, too, is that you attended workshops with the likes of Kevin Hayes and Kurt Rosenwinkel and Chick Corea. Those had to be also huge learning experiences. What do you learn from people that have been around so much and have so much clout? Well, the workshop featuring Cesar Camargo Mariano, which was a Brazilian pianist, was particularly important for me because he was he was a pianist of the Grammy Award-winning album Elis and Ton, and he, he accompanied his his wife, Elis Regina, his whole life, basically. 
and um, he, he really masters those Brazilian rhythms on the piano. He blends them with jazz, and meeting him was an opportunity for me to get to know a bit of, his, of the way he does this, and his knowledge on, on these different rhythms, uh, his knowledge of, of all these different rhythms. The other workshops were also instructive. You mentioned, for example, Kurt Rosenwinkel, Kevin Hayes. These were particularly instructive in dealing specifically with American jazz, its melodic inventiveness, and, and also the chord progressions. Attending workshops of musicians who play other instruments is also very important. Uh, not just Kurt Rosenwinkel, but for example, Scott Colley and George Rossi, because I, I feel that as a pianist, I feel that I need to be acquainted with different issues unrelated to my instrument. Yeah, because you know, jazz is, is a collaborative musical style, and I feel that by doing this, I will I will be a bit more prepared. Uh, and this will enhance collaboration, which, of course, as I said, is at the core of jazz. Absolutely. You know, the one thing that we've touched on here is obviously your Latin roots, but you've traveled all over. You talk about your love of language and obviously the love of being in different countries and traveling. I mean, you've been to the UK, France, Finland, Germany, Spain. You've been all over the place. What does travel do to you to enhance you, not only as a person, but as a musician? Well, I think it's always interesting to be acquainted with different cultures, not merely as an outsider, but also to delve into them as much as possible. Getting to see things, you know, from different perspectives is quite enriching because, especially when it comes to music, which really transcends barriers when it comes to communication. Because when you travel abroad and you meet new collaborators, you get to see things from different perspectives, and you get to also meet people who are interested in in, in the musician, not, not just as a musician, but also as a person. Uh, and this has also been important, um, not only you know, connection-wise, but also in shaping the music itself in terms of style and message. I think that, as I said before, our society is going through a truly globalized era, especially with the internet, in which the blend of different cultures is key to the life experience of many. Absolutely. It's the unified language. L let me ask you this. Who would you consider your jazz heroes, Th those that have risen up and really inspired you to become who you are as a musician? I'm particularly fond of Keith Jarrett because I think that he truly bridged the gap between jazz and classical piano. I mean, his career proves that he can play Shostakovich preludes and fugues as fluently as a Charlie Parker number. And I also love John Coltrane's improvisational style. You know, it, it varies from a more intimate mood in ballads to wackier moods like in Blue Train. Mm -hmm. Not to mention Clifford Brown and, of course, Art Blakey's infectious hard bop. I think these, these are artists which I really admire. You know, Charlie Parker, John Coltrane, Clifford Brown, Art Blakey. But I also love contemporary jazz performers such as Mark Turner, great sax player, and composers such as Maria Schneider. I think she has been doing a lot recently for modern jazz. And of course, I can't forget what Brazil has given to the world. Brazil has given the world great jazz musicians such as Nana Vasconcelos, who, who left us uh, a few months ago, Trio uh, Correnti, not to mention the expressive Teco Cardoso, who plays in, in the seventh track of the album, Mojinha. He's a great sax player and I definitely recommend listening to his stuff. The one thing I do want to ask you, I know this is your debut album, but you've had a lot of mileage already in the jazz world. When you look on your career right now and think about it, how do you feel about it, and what else do you want to do? Where do you want to go with your career? 
Well, I'm glad to have collaborated with so many different musicians from different countries, different styles, uh, especially within an educational context, you know, because I've studied for quite a few years at a few schools. And, but, but I've also performed and recorded with these musicians. I've composed, arranged. But I feel that there's so much, much more to come. I'd like to be able to, to collaborate with, with, with more musicians. Um, I think my varied background will definitely help me to make the most of what lies ahead. But I'm open to, to lots of different things and lo lots of different styles. Beautiful. Why do you love jazz? Jazz encompasses an array of different rhythms nowadays, which, which really proves that it's a universal art form. It's no longer just an American style. It's a universal art form, and that's, that's the beauty of it. And the evolution of the, in, in the, of the genre in just about a century has been incredible. If you look at the evolution of classical music, for example, many centuries in jazz, almost everything happened in just a century. So imagine what will happen in the next century. <laughs> yeah. And you, and you can't say it's swing. It's just swing anymore either, like it used to be 50 years ago. Uh, although many people still associate it with, with that rhythm. You know, many people you speak to in the streets, do you like jazz? People think of swing or bebop, but it's not anymore just swing or bebop. And then comes the vital question, what is jazz, you know? Well, for me, jazz is basically the confluence, talking of rivers again, <laughs> the confluence of lush harmonies, melodic freedom, and rhythmic variety. That's what jazz represents to me. And because creating or recreating, if you like, on the spot is at the core of jazz, I think it prioritizes interaction amongst musicians like very few other genres. And these are basically the, the reasons for which I love jazz. Beautiful. You played for a lot of people over your career, but what has been one of the nicest things that a fan has ever said to you? One of the nicest gestures or story about a fan that's really been moved by your music? Well, I've actually had a few fans who weren't particular f particularly fond of jazz, and they said they've converted to jazz after coming to a gig or listening to my album and I think this is great because it's always an honor to have someone approach you and say that they started to like a particular style thanks to your music. You know the one thing that's really cool about Kansas City is that you know in a city like this that has history when you get down on 18 and Vine and they still have clubs down there and I'll get down there and just kind of look up at the street sign and think man if I could go back in time just magically click my heels and go back what kind of shows I could have seen back in the day. And that kind of gives you a backdrop as to why I asked this question. If you could go back in time, and we could even do a Michael J. Fox DeLorean scenario here and go back, where would you go and who would you see live? I think it would be very interesting to be a member, it would be interesting to be a member of the audience at Jarrett's Köln concert, because I went to a solo concert here a few years ago in Sao Paulo in Brazil. And I think it would be good to see the difference in terms of musical energy, if, if there is any, you know. And I'd also go back in time to attend any of Ella's concerts, Ella Fitzgerald's concert, or Art Blakey's concert. Because I think, as I said before, I think there's so much, so much swing there. It would be great to see them live. And another artist which I would have loved to see live is Duke Ellington especially his live at Blue Note. That must have been a thrill. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, that would have been beautiful. So to get kind of a little bit to the essence of who you are, everyone has a version of who you are, your family, your friends, those that you perform for. But who do you think you are? When you face the world in the morning, who do you think Dan is? 
What a difficult question. <laughs> yeah. I think it's a difficult question because I think life implies a constant evolution. You know, we're always changing to an extent. <laughs> but I think I'm open-minded. I think I'm culturally curious. I think I've always been very hardworking, and I think I'm generous, honest, especially when it comes to music and the musical expression. As I've said at other interviews, I believe music ought to be a transposition of life itself, not just notes we play. So anything that enriches one's life experience will undeniably enrich the music. And this is what makes music so strong, the ability to permeate different social classes, cultures, and paths. And this is basically who I think I am, someone who's open to new experiences to be able to translate these experiences into the the beautiful language of music. So this is my final question. Being an observer on the outside, looking into, into America and other cultures, and being in Europe, how do you think the health of jazz is in 2016? I think jazz is doing very well. As I said before, I think it's a universal art form, no longer simply an American art form. You get, for example, companies in Europe such as uh, ECM, ECM Records, who have delivered fantastic albums, and you see that they invite musicians from many different countries, Brazilian musicians, not just European musicians, also American musicians, of course. I'm not sure about jazz in Asia, but I know there's a strong, there are strong jazz currents in Africa, South African jazz, the Nigerian jazz, for example, Brazilian jazz in South America. Jazz is very strong, in, 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 of course, in certain contexts. And so I think jazz is doing very well in the 21st century. I would agree. And Dan, thank you for doing so well, giving me your story. Thank you for the music. I appreciate it. I'm glad that we hooked up in that serendipitous way that we did and that I had the chance to speak with you and get you on Neon Jazz. My pleasure. Thank you, Joe. Thanks for listening and tuning in to yet another Neon Jazz interview, where we give you a bit of insight into the finest players in Europe, America, and spots all over the world giving fans all that jazz. And thanks to Dan for his time and his stories. If you want to hear more interviews, go to Famous Interviews with Joe Domino on the iTunes Store or visit NeonJazz at YouTube.com. And for all things Neon Jazz, the NeonJazz.blogspot.com. Until next time, enjoy the jazz, my friends. Neon Jazz.